You're listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. Jubilee Montreal is a Christian church located in downtown Montreal that exists to share the good news as a spiritual family for holistic transformation. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jblmontreal.org. John chapter 15 is really about this, uh, this theme of abiding. Striving and abiding are not about necessarily, mostly, about what we do. And this we need to try to get beyond really quickly because uh, I don't know if you have kind of an understanding of what I mean by striving or abiding yet, but if you, if you think you do, uh, I don't necessarily mean that to strive is to do a bunch of things and to abide is to not do a bunch of things. Striving, when I'm striving, my heart is trying to find my identity and produce meaning and purpose on my own, apart from Jesus. My heart is trying to find something, to produce something, to find a purpose apart from God. When my heart is abiding, my heart is resting in a relationship with Jesus. I'm depending on him for everything, and I'm loving others out of his love that lives within me. When my heart is abiding, it's resting in a relationship with Jesus, depending on him for everything and loving others out of his love that's living in me. Striving and abiding is the hardest, in my opinion, if there are seven movements, which we made them up. Uh, it's, it's the hardest, for me at least. John chapter 15, I feel like, has been like a constant going back to in my life that I can never fully figure out. I can never fully do. And, there's, and, and even, the, even the verses, I don't know if you read them, I find them out of order or something when I read them. I find it's hard to like grasp the whole thing he's saying, because he goes in and out of these sayings again and again. So we're going to look at it today, and I hope that, uh, I hope that ab- we're going to focus on abiding, and I hope that abiding will become exceedingly clear. Ab- the, the idea of abiding, which Jesus talks about, is extremely simple, probably more simple than any other movements that we talk about. It's also more difficult than any other movements we talk about, and it's much harder to grasp with your life and to live out. Exceedingly simple, an exceedingly simple idea and extremely difficult to actually practice. So, set the stage a bit for the story. The, the story in John chapter 15 that Jesus tells most likely happens just before or on the way that Jesus is walking with his disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. Okay, if you know the story, uh, this, in the book of John, this is taking place near the end of Jesus' ministry and life, really at the, at the end, just before he's going to die on the cross. He's been in a locked upper room with his disciples, which is where they, they eat the, bread, the meal, which included bread and wine, which we'll talk about at the end. And Jesus now, understanding what's going to happen, he knows what's coming, okay? Jesus understands the future and what is coming before him. And he, he sets off with his disciples to this garden where he's going, where he will pray. What's going to happen after he prays is that uh, Roman guards are going to come. Judas, one of his disciples, is going to, uh, what's the word? Betray him. He's uh, going to betray Jesus, his teacher, his leader, show the guards who he is, where he is. And Jesus is going to then face death. Okay, Jesus understands what's coming, and the garden becomes a moment where Jesus, there's this story in the garden where Jesus is, is just like in agony in prayer, wrestling, understanding that God is calling him to sacrifice his life, 
and wrestling with this. And he's very, he's very open and human and clear that he does not want this. God does not want to experience death. Nobody should. And so he's wrestling through this, and he ends up saying, yes, I will do, Father, I will do what you have for me to do, because that is better. I will believe that and do it. And he gives himself. So Jesus understands that that moment in the garden is coming. And so on the walk to the garden, Jesus must tell them one more story. He must tell them one more teaching. So you can imagine Jesus has been traveling around with this group of people for, for three years, teaching them, telling stories, trying to get them to understand things. But he must tell them one more story that he has not told them yet before he's going to die. And that's John chapter 15. We're just going to talk about three questions from John chapter 15 to try to make it simple. First question is, what does abiding mean? What does it mean? You can look through your scripture. I hope that it's okay if you don't look at me. You can, you can look at John chapter 15 because we'll kind of go in and out of what he's saying. What does abiding mean? First, uh, Jesus is commanding us to abide. Okay, it's a command. Abide again and again and again through this. Uh, but the, the command to abide is not a command like um, God has a list of rules and he, because he created them and likes them and he would like you to follow them. This is often the way we think about Jesus or religion or Christianity, that if there are rules, they don't really matter. It's just for some reason God has thought them up and put them on us. That's not true, but it is true that Jesus is commanding us to abide. But the command to abide is like if I commanded you, or like if, even better, if I command uh, our daughter uh, to eat or to drink water or to sleep. Those are, those are good things, Okay. It may feel as a command to her, but if she has not eaten in three days, no one will disagree that it would be a good command for her. And nobody would disagree that if I told anybody that they should eat, that that is a positive thing. The command that Jesus is giving us is universal, and it's for our health. He's saying things we might not know or understand. The idea of abiding, why does any of this matter? Why does a relationship with God matter? But what he's telling us, if we will trust him and believe him, is that the command is something that we're missing, that we deeply need in order to live life well. To, to abide literally means to remain. If you have a different Bible that you're looking at instead of that, the NIV says to remain everywhere that this version says to abide. It also means to stay connected to it, to stay connected to something. He tells us to remain connected to him, and then he says to remain connected to his love. I'm going to actually back up for a second. So we're talking about abiding, don't forget. Okay, there it is. This is what, uh, this is what a vineyard looks like in Quebec right now, about three days ago. That's how small the vines are. It's kind of a harsh climate to grow wine. And this is the picture. And so G- Jesus is telling, really this story is an allegory. Okay? The story that Jesus is telling is an allegory. It's a, it's, a, it's a thing that they would see in life often. Like if I told you a story about the mall or the metro or something, something that you saw often. He's telling them a story about something that they've seen often because he, he's, he's doing it to try to explain to them a very deep meaning that he probably thinks is going to be hard to get if he just tells them about it. And so instead he tells them a story and then he shows them that the story actually means this. Okay? So in the story, Jesus gives three characters. He says that there was, a, uh, this says a vine dresser, which is a silly word to use nowadays. Uh, it, the, the Greek word means a farmer or a person that takes care of a vineyard, a person that takes care of grapevines. 
So he says, he says in verse 1, I am the true vine. So Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. The vine is that bulky brown looking part in the bottom left, bottom left hand corner. It looks much better on this TV. Um, that's the vine. The thing that doesn't die during the winter. Okay, The thing that's connected all the way into the ground. The branches are all those new shoots that you see coming up in the spring, which will, which will grow much larger, which will catch on to the wires up top, and which will produce the grapes. And so Jesus says, I'm the true vine, and my father is the farmer. And then in verse 5, this is what I mean by, he could do this a lot more clear, I think I should edit it. Number, verse 5, I am the vine, okay, again, I'm the vine, and you are those branches. So what he's saying is he's trying to get them to understand something that's exceedingly simple. There's a farmer, that's God. Life is like a vineyard. God is the farmer, and the farmer is walking through the vineyard. I am the vine. Everywhere you see this thing that lasts forever, that's into the ground, that's me. You are the branches that are growing out of me. So back to abiding. So... What Jesus literally says is, maybe I'll show you the picture, can't decide. The whole, the whole of John chapter 15 in this story is a simple command, and then he explains it. I'm, he, before he dies, he tells the people that have said they're following him, you're the branch, remain in me. Stay connected to the, the vine. You're the branch, stay connected to the vine. That's the whole point. Jesus is saying that the whole point of, if the vineyard is life, the whole purpose of life, the whole point of life, if you would like to live life to the fullest, you're a branch, so stay connected to the vine. What happens when a branch doesn't stay connected to the vine is number two, uh, verse two. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does, not bear, that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. This is striving, by the way. To strive is to not be connected to the vine. So, my life, I am a branch. And he says that, What's a branch do? What's it good for? How does a branch live? The branch must stay connected to the vine. Jesus is making an exclusive statement that the vine is him. If we want to have life, if we want to live life, we should stay connected to the vine. The moment that I, as a branch, disconnect myself from that vine, naturally, in the picture, I begin to wither. What happens to branches at a vineyard that are dying and withered? The farmer is going to walk around and he's going to cut the dead branch off and he's going to throw it into a pile and the pile will be burned because that's what happens to it. It's not that the farmer thinks, God, I, just want, to, I want to just take some branches and destroy them. <laughs> you know? No, he's taking care of the plant. He's taking care of the vineyard. It's a very natural thing. That is what the branch is for. A dead branch is for burning, for, for being made into, into compost, for, for going back into the garden to again invest in the life of the vineyard. And so he's saying, your life is a branch, and a branch has to stay connected to a vine, and I am the vine. It's a warning that if you try to live life disconnected from me, you will end up in no good place. Whatever that actually means and looks like, John chapter 15 leaves it up to you. 
Remaining in Jesus, though. Okay, so he says, remain in me. So what does that mean? What does it mean to remain in Jesus? And then he tries to clarify it again. He says, he sa- he, then he switches, and he doesn't say remain in me. He says, remain in my love. So th- this is what Jesus says to make it simple. He says, you need to remain connected to me. Jesus, what does that mean to remain connected to you? He says, I mean, remain connected to my love for you. This is why I say it's exceedingly simple. That's a simple statement. What does that mean? How do you do that? That's exceedingly difficult. Remaining is not simply believing in Jesus. Okay, so today I will talk about this at the end, but if you don't know if you believe in Jesus, you're not sure all of what I'm talking about, I will give you a chance to make, I will make it simple and give you a chance to do that later. But to remain in the vine, to remain in Jesus, does not simply mean to believe in him. Though that's crucial. It includes being in union with Jesus, sharing his thoughts, sharing his emotions, sharing his intentions, sharing his motives, sharing his power. It's a true intimacy, is what he's saying. Also simple, also extremely difficult. Jesus says this to try to explain what he means by abiding. Let me see if I can find the the verse. I wrote it down. John chapter 15, verse 5. He says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. That's his conclusion to why you should abide, why you should stay connected to him. He says, because in fact, it's a, it's kind of a, it's a non-decision. It's a silly decision. You can stay connected to the vine and have life, or you can not stay connected to the vine, which is automatically death. He says, for apart from me, which is, again, he's trying to get them to believe this, exceedingly difficult to accept. So he tells them a simple story. The thing he's trying to get them to accept is, you can do nothing apart from me. Nothing. John chapter 5, so 10 chapters earlier, Jesus says this to his disciples. Very truly, which means seriously, seriously I tell you, the Son, me, so Jesus says, I can do nothing by myself. I can only do what I see the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, I also do. Literally, it says, very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can, only, he can do only what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Jesus is saying something that is, uh, is a great sin, I think, in our world, and he's saying, I don't do anything on my own. I don't live my own life. I do nothing on my own. I only do what I see my Father, God, doing. That's all I do. In fact, not only is that a choice, I literally can't do anything apart from him. The movement from striving to abiding, to use a different word, is, is the, the offer, the choice, the command to give up self-sufficiency. It's saying that what Jesus is saying is, you can't actually do it, number one, but number two, you can't live a full life being self-sufficient. You can't live life being sufficient on, in and of yourself. You can't lead your own life. You actually can't do it. And for those who think they are doing it, Jesus is saying, you're not doing it. A branch thinks it's living, but it's, if it's disconnected from the vine, it's not living. Even if it pretends to be living. Even if it tells everybody it's living, it's not actually living. And so this is what Jesus is trying to say. is Before he's going to leave them and be killed, he's trying to tell them the most important lesson that he can tell them. And that is, you cannot... You should not, you cannot, you will not be self-sufficient. 
John chapter 15, which is, which is funny. This is why I say I've been struggling. I feel like I've struggled through it off and on for years because I don't actually live it out very well. John chapter 15 is like Christianity 101, which is terrible because it's exceedingly difficult to do. There, probably, there is no 201, 301, 401, by the way. We just think there are, so we move on to other things when we haven't done the first thing, which is give up your life. We do that at the beginning, and at the end you'll see it. If you don't follow Jesus yet, or you don't know, what I'm going to invite you to do is give your life to him. Make an, make an offer. Give it to him. In his seat, just kind of with everything that you think you can, your will, you just hand it over to him. But we move beyond that very quickly, and we try to do certain things. We try to be a certain way, when in fact the way you started as a, as a baby, unable to do anything, is the way that you're supposed to carry it all the way through. Unable to do anything apart from him. Life is primarily about receiving something. That's what John chapter 15 teaches. Life is not about doing things. And again, this is actually not about the fact that striving means doing things and abiding means not doing things. It's about a posture of the heart. But the purpose of life, the meaning of life, is not about accomplishing things. It's about receiving something. But the person who receives life from the vine will bear what he calls fruit. You will accomplish much. You will do many things. But if you want to do things that are important that last, which we'll talk about now, you need to stay connected to the vine. So how do we abide? Okay, so abiding means remaining in Jesus, remaining in his love, staying connected to him, okay? How do you do that, though? John chapter 15, verse 10, he says this, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. This, I, I hated this verse. Uh, okay, because um, this is what Jesus makes everyone mad, okay? He, he ends up, he says one thing, and you think, oh, good, that's, that's what I think. Or that's what I do, so that's why I like what he says. I can do that, that's good. But then he says something else where he makes those people mad, and he makes other people excited. In this case, he makes the people that are, which, which I'm more on this side, which is more like, it's about freedom. It's not about rules. It's not about commands. It's just about, it's just about being, you know? And it's like, just remain in me. Remain in my love. How do we do that? Do we? This is what I love. Do we? Does he give a, a way of praying? Does he give a spiritual practice? Does he give a class? Does he give a... He says this. Oh, oh you want to remain in my love. So all you have to do is keep my commandments. If you abide in me, if you abide in my love... If you keep my commandments, you will automatically abide in my love. How do I stay there? How do I stay connected to Jesus? Obey my commandments. And then he says this, as I have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. Jesus is, Jesus is showing us that the life that he's lived is, in, is a picture for us of the life that we are invited to live. He says, just look at my whole life, just like I've obeyed the father. Like he says, I can't do anything on my own. I only do what I see the Father doing. That's what he means by obey commands, by the way. I only do what I see him doing. And I remain in his love. I never leave. Jesus, saying, Jesus never left the love of the Father. He never had a bad day. You, you see, this is the problem with the Garden of Gethsemane, the, the story after this. is It's this struggle of, am I going to be torn away from the Father's love? Is that what I'm being called to do? And I've never lived a day for eternity, but drawn away from the Father's love. That's all I know how to do is receive his love. How do I receive his love? I stay in relationship with him by keeping his commands. 
And then he says this. So, okay, so, Jesus, what are your commands? What do I have to do? And then I'm back over here, and I'm happy again, in a way. He says, this is my command, singular. He says, plural, stay in my love, keep my commands, plural. And then he says, to clarify to them, this is my command. So there's only one, he says. That you love one another as I have loved you, verse 12. What are you, what are you doing, Jesus? So you're a branch, stay connected to the vine and you will live. How do you stay connected to Jesus, the vine, or his love? Keep his commands. Jesus, what commands? Only one. Love one another as I have loved you. I have no idea why he said that. <laughs> There's lots of things he could have said. And does it work like that? I mean, how does that work? If I, if I love Mark well, I, just, I wake up every day and I want to, as I might, goal today is to love Mark. And if I love Mark, I will remain connected to Jesus's love. That's what he says. Exceedingly simple and bizarre at the same time, but that is the key to life, is loving someone else. But if you look at, if you look at all he's saying, remain in my love is command one. Remain in my love. How do I keep command one? Is by giving the love that I'm supposedly receiving to Mark. What is love like? I think I, for some reason, skipped this. What is love like? Verse. Thank you. Greater love has no one than this. That he, it, it makes sense that it would go right after the other verse I read him. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant, this is, by the way, uh, striving, is the picture of a servant. Someone who's doing things for people, uh, but disconnected from relationship with the person. The servant doesn't have a relationship with the master, at least not that's receiving love, but he does things for them all day long. But Jesus is saying, I want, you're my friends. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. So the love that he's saying is I'm supposed to, invited to, love the people around me with a sacrificial love, the exact same kind of love that Jesus has for me. Pruning. He talks about the idea of pruning, which is another little hard statement at the very beginning, verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, okay, so uh, bless you, if you are a vine dresser, or uh, I have watched probably every documentary on winemaking on Netflix, and it wasn't to prepare for this because I just like stuff like that. And uh, if you are that person, your whole business, which is a, probably a terrible business to be in. It's just extremely risk, risky. It has everything to do with the weather and whether you're going to have a crop or you're not. And, it's ex and everything that you have, you're not you're growing tomatoes. You have a huge operation to take care of these grapes once you grow them. And so the, the, the farmer, the vine maker, is really, a, we don't call them farmers usually, but they're a farmer that's growing grapes, that's trying to, trying to grow the best grape possible. And the way you grow good grapes is by pruning the vines. And what pruning means is if you, the, the picture with the, the, 
the vine and then the branches coming out, many branches will come out of the vine. And what the, what the farmer will do is he will walk around and because of his experience, he will choose which branches to prune. And those branches are probably going to be the weaker ones, the ones that he, by experience, things aren't going to produce that much fruit. And so say there's 10, he's going to prune it, means cut it, prune means to cut off. Okay, he's going to cut off the branches that he thinks are not going to produce much fruit. By the way, the branch is not necessarily dead. It might bear fruit, but he doesn't think it, it might not. And if what's happening is the life from the vine is going to go up into the branches and it's going to, all the, the life force is going to be spread out to each branch. But if he can cut off most of them and choose the best one or two or three, then all that life is going to come up through those three and those branches are going to be extremely strong and they're going to produce a lot of fruit. If you don't prune it, the, the life is going to be all spread out. It's going to be too, like, too much of like a bush. And if the grapes are all hidden under the leaves, it's not going to grow well. So what he's doing is he's trying to set the plant up for success. So what does it mean? that he actually says this. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Pruning is not fun for the plant. Pruning literally means he's going to take some shears that they like sharpen before they do this, because the, the people that end up doing it often are, are, are laborers that do this all the time from, from vineyard to vineyard. And they're going to go very quickly through, and they're going to cut off all the ones that by experience they think aren't going to bear much fruit. And there are parts of our lives, even if we follow Jesus, even if we remain in Jesus, there are parts of our lives that remain less, or that are weaker, or that we think are fine, but they're not. And Jesus says that the, what the Father wants to do is he's going to cut it off so that the things in our life that are good, that are bearing fruit, will bear more fruit, which is why sometimes there's things in life, Jesus is saying, that the Father's going to, he's going to stop. He's going to discipline, or he's going to cut off, and it's so that the plant will grow better, so your life will go better. An example of this, which I won't talk about, is even like uh, Peter, where Peter has this time in life where Jesus confronts him near the end, which we talked about recently, and, and says, Peter, you, 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 you betrayed me too, just like Judas. You doubted me in front of a little girl, in front of a child. You didn't have the courage to defend yourself, to defend me. And this moment is a pruning. The moment is saying, Peter, there are parts of your life that are not bearing fruit, and unless we cut them off, it will choke everything else out. And so even the life of following Jesus, of staying connected to him, of loving others, will still include this thing called pruning. And when we are pruned, we know we're healthy. It's actually a sign that we're healthy. God's taking things away, teaching us lessons, so that the things in our life that are good that he's doing will, will grow more. What happens when we abide. This is fun. So, how, so, so what does abiding mean? Remaining in Jesus, remaining in his love. How do we abide? By keeping the command to remain in his love and then to self-sacrificially love those around us. And then what happens? What happens, he says, is that we bear fruit. So if there is a goal to life in this story, the goal to life is to bear something called fruit. Fruit refers to living, it, this is a bit, uh, let's see if we can get this. Fruit refers to living in the life of God itself. So it's, number one, it's not about what is my life producing, but if it's producing relationship with God, if it's producing intimacy with God, then that is fruit, first of all. 
and then the activities that naturally come from my life, that come to expression when that life in me is present, when the life of God in me is present, will come out. That's fruit. Fruit, if you know, uh, if you've read the Bible at all, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the vine, the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. It's seven things, too. That's funny. Um, If you remain connected to Jesus, if you stay in his love, if, how do I stay in his love? If I let it flow through me and self-sacrificially love other people, my life, out of my life, will come love. Out of my life will come joy. Out of my life will come peace. I don't know if you ever want a peace. Out of my life will come patience. Patience doesn't work to to try to make it on your own, by the way. Uh, Out of my life will come kindness. Out of my life will come gentleness. Out of my life will come self-control. So how do I become more loving? How do I feel joy? How do I feel a sense of peace? How do I become patient? How do I become kind? How do I become gentle? How do I control my desires? To remain in the love of Jesus and to make sure that I love other people out of that. And he says, automatically, what will happen is that these fruit will flow through my life, not just for Mark. It's not that I will just be kind to Mark. I will experience peace. Then what happens, he says in verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, his words here is a catchphrase for his message. Everything he's spoken, the message of the gospel, what we talk about, if that abides in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That's what I mean. Exceedingly simple, exceedingly difficult. What are you saying? Really anything? That has not been my experience. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So again, this is what I love about this passage. What is the secret to prayer? To having prayers answered, I should say. What is the secret to having your prayers answered is to abide. The, The issue is not I'm not praying enough or I'm not praying right or I'm not saying the right words, or I'm not... Do, it's very simple. He just says, if you're abiding in me and my words are abiding in you, you can ask whatever you wish and it will be done. So why isn't it happening? For, it might not be how you expect. The beauty of Jesus' logic is that he knows that if you abide in him, you will become one with him and you will want what he wants. And so, of course, your prayers will happen. The desire of your heart will come true because the desire of your heart will become the desire of God's heart. But no less, when you pray, things will happen. Fullness of joy, verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Part of this passage can seem a bit rough. A bunch of commands. If you don't, you're going to be thrown away into the fire and burned. Why are you telling us this, Jesus? We're on the road to the garden. Why are you telling us this? And he says, I'm telling you this, that the joy that I have in me, as if joy is like a thing I have, the joy I have in me that it might be in you, and that that joy that you have might actually be completely full, lacking nothing. Can you imagine that? Being full of joy. Not faking it at all. Not trying to be joyful. You're just full of joy. Within your own personality and everything, you know that you feel full of joy. And he's saying, I'm telling you this so that you can have that. Telling me what? Telling me that to be, if I want to be full of joy, all I should do is stay connected to Jesus. 
Your life is not a performance. It's just a gift. Life is a gift. Out of everything we do, have to do, have done, haven't done, all the difficult things, all the good things, it, all of it is a gift. If you want your life to be fruitful, if you want to bear fruit, by the way, fruit is much better than just success. Okay? Because success says nothing about what your motives were. Many people are successful and have become successful in the eyes of some people because of the motives that they've had. If my motive was to walk all for anybody I wished because my goal is to earn a lot of money and I have earned a lot of money and I look now successful in terms of having a lot of money, am I truly successful? Or have I lost other things that other people value that I don't, like relationships or being liked for who I am and not for my money? Fruitfulness, as opposed to the idea of success, is literally just saying that your life will bear eternal things. Like the things that will come from your life will matter completely to the person that matters most, God. And at the end of time, to everyone, because then they will see everything within perspective. And they will see that from the quietest life came the most fruit, maybe. Fruit is the best thing. Fruit are the things of the kingdom. Things of the kingdom are good for you too. It's not just things for other people. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Enjoying life. So stop thinking about producing fruit though. And stop comparing yourself to others or judging others. Imagine this. Jesus just says, forget everything else. One more lesson. This is what life is about. You are a branch connected to a vine in a vineyard. Just stay connected to the vine. Everything else will go well. Just do that. Forget things like comparing, like judging, like trying. Forget all these other things that we do. Just do that. This is what I mean by 101. Christianity 101. It's actually that simple. And if you actually did that, it would take, it would take a lot. It would be a process, a journey, a change, and it would produce a lot. So instead of judging or comparing yourself, come close to Jesus. It's that simple. Just quiet, quiet the part of you that's that for a moment, we will end on super practical. Quiet the part of you that says, how do I do that? And instead, just assume that it is simple, even if you don't get it yet. Just stay connected to Jesus. Invest in a relationship with him. Why would you do that, by the way? Why Jesus? Because Jesus says that he's the way to the Father. The Father is God. He is, he is the one we come from. He is our true Father. If you you, you should want that. If you don't want that, it's because you don't know what I'm talking about. I don't fully know what I'm talking about yet. If you stay connected to Jesus, that's okay, it's always like that. If you stay connected with, to Jesus, you will be connected to the source of life itself. Not what you think of as rules or religion, although there might be a rule, but the rule will be like eat food, <laughs> drink water, breathe oxygen, good things. Fruit just grows when the plant's got what it needs, right? The grapes don't try to do anything. The, plant, the branch doesn't try to do anything. The branch has one job, just be a branch. Just stay connected to a vine. Just let everything take care of itself. Just accept pruning, and fruit will grow. Fruit just grows when the plant's got what it needs, so we can stop striving. I haven't talked about striving on purpose, because to stop striving is just to abide. And you won't stop striving tomorrow, maybe. If you do, you can speak next week. You won't, you won't stop striving tomorrow. 
There will be moments and times and weeks and months and maybe even years where you don't experience John 15 at all. But the answer to striving will again still just be to abide. Exceedingly simple. So we can stop striving. And when we are done, this is, by the way, that how, we, how we stop striving, I guess I'll talk about. When we are done trying, when we have nothing left to give, when we give up, when we fail enough, then we begin to receive life from Jesus. This is why that Jesus, Jesus is trying to get people to abide. He's trying to invite people into this relationship with Jesus. And what kind of people does he look for? He looks for rejected people, burnt out people, the, the marginalized people, the people that know they don't have much to give anymore. And he thinks, perfect. That branch is dying and it needs a vine. The branch that thinks it's fine isn't going to get connected to a new vine. So the secret to being connected to the vine, if you are striving, is to realize that you can do nothing on your own anymore. So again, if you're not there yet, that's probably the problem. If I'm not there yet, that is the problem. There are still parts of me that on any given day or time thinks I can do it. Because it's just hard letting go. It actually is hard. It's simple, and it actually is extremely difficult to stop being self-sufficient. When you're done and you have nothing left, then you can begin receiving life from Jesus. Then we just do this. We walk with him. We read his words. We talk to him. We listen to him. We do what he says. Who knows what might happen if you just did that? If it was just all that simple? Walk with him. Read his words. Talk to him. Listen to him. Begin to have this relationship that he offers you with the Father. So we're going to end here. Um, let's do a reflection for a few minutes. And you guys can stay, actually, because I want you to do this, too. We're going to close our eyes. It's not, I'm not trying to create a moment. It's just so that you can focus. I'm just going to ask you some questions. It's going to be a bit awkward. And when I ask you the question, I just want you to reflect on it for yourself very honestly. Very honestly, I mean, as honest as you can be with yourself, try to answer the question. First thing that comes to mind. I'm going to pray first, then I'll do that. Father, thank you for being our dad. Thank you for being that willing, that, that was so willing to be in that kind of relationship with us, whether we have experienced that or asked for that or come into that yet or not. I thank you that you long to be in that kind of relationship with us. And I thank you that even if we are not ready, that you are. You say in John chapter 15, Jesus, that we did not choose you, but you chose us. If you're in this room this morning and you don't know Jesus, Jesus is saying, I choose you. Will you just return the favor? Will you just say, okay, I will be chosen to be in relationship with you? It's an offer to everyone. Father, will you speak to us by your spirit and make us, make our, the deep parts of us honest for just a moment before we rush back into life. Here are some questions. Do you want to be with Jesus? Do you want that? want to know the Father? Do you want to know him intimately?
What do you crave more than that? What do you crave more than that? writes this in Philippians 3.8 I count everything as loss I count everything as garbage because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord I count everything else as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord If that is new to you, or if you would like to come into this relationship with Jesus, the same person Paul writes in Romans 10.9, simple, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is King, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, not just your mind, believe in your heart that God did raise him from the dead, you will be saved. In this moment of silence, if that's you, you can do that silently with yourself if that's what you want. Jesus is Lord. And if it's true in your heart at any level to recognize that you do believe that God raised him from the dead, Can you say this? I can do nothing on my own. Do you want to take this moment and turn back, change your mind and attach back to Jesus? Just do that. He is listening. He is there. You can do that very simply. And lastly, what does it mean for you, personally you? What does it mean for you to stay connected to Jesus? What is he asking you to do? we are searching for peace we are searching for life we are ser searching for comfort we are searching for meaning we are searching for 
purpose. We are searching for healing. And you say that the answer to all of those things is just to remain, to abide, to stay connected to you. Would you help us to do that? Would you help us to believe that in our heart and to put it into practice? Would you help us to do the hard work of giving up? The, the, the harder work of giving up sufficiency and of allowing ourselves to come to the end of ourselves. Thank you for listening to the Jubilee Montreal podcast. For more information on Jubilee Montreal, visit us online at www.jvlmontreal.org.